0: Greetings in Jesus' name. I want to welcome each one here, the visitors, and all who are here. It's good to be here with you again this morning after being gone for a little while. Feels like it's a long time since I have stood here and preached here at Millmont. But we did have a good trip barring some vehicle troubles but we are back here home again and it is good to be here this morning you know I I was feeling a little bit just Lord where do I go what do I preach And this morning I just spent some time reading the word I encourage you to read the Word. Just read it. Don't try to... Sometimes it's just encouraging to read that Word. It does something. Without even... You, you just read it and let it just kind of wash over you. And I feel that's what it did to me this morning in, an, in a small way. Um, just with the busyness of life and the busyness of everything going on. It was good to just sit there and read it. I encourage you to do that. That's not part of the message this morning. I would like to ask you a question. What is and I know this could this question could have a few different answers. But what is the difference between Christianity and the other religions in the world? Anyone? Anyway. A living Savior, okay, very good. Any more? He's able to change lives. He's able to change lives. And maybe I'm I'm looking for one, these are all good answers, these are all answers that are that make it different, but I'm looking for one specific one this morning. I am the way, the truth, and the light, and no man comes to the Father, but i mean the exclusivity. Amen. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Any more? Christianity seeks you. Very good. That is that is something that I came across in some of my reading. Anything else? Relationship. Relationship. not man-made. Very good. All of those are good. It's not the exact one I was looking for this morning. And you might say, well, why are you preaching this message this morning? But the title of the message is The Importance of the Resurrection. And you might say, well, why do you preach that this morning? Don't we have Easter? Yes, we have Easter, but friends, this morning, Christianity has something that no other religion has. And that is that our leader, not only did he die, and did he shed his life for us, and did he do all the things that some of these answers were given this morning, but he what? He rose again. There is no other religion in this world that that has ever taken place. And in my readings, I came across where someone said that there is about 4,200 other religions in this world. 4,200 religions and not one of them can say what we can say with Christianity this morning. And I'm not going to go down the whole thing that Christianity, is it a religion or is it not? That's for a different topic, okay? another time but we as Christians have something no one else the Muslims the Buddhists the Hindus even the Judaizers and Judaism or Judaism I should say Those, all the other religions, and I I don't want to say that just as a blanket statement for all the other 4,800 or 4,200, whatever that number was, but those main ones that I just listed, they all acknowledge Jesus. They all lift Him up. Muslims lift Him up as some great prophet. Okay? He was some man. They actually... They, the Muslims don't think that Jesus died, they think there was someone else who died that resembled him, but Jesus didn't die because, see, if Jesus would have died, well, they don't believe in the resurrection, but even if he would have died, now they're going to have to try to do something with the resurrection. The Hindus, or the Buddhists, one of those, they think that he was, yes, some kind, compassionate, maybe both of those would feel that he was a kind, by, by their religion thinking that it's a kind, compassion, that's what you do to other people, well Jesus, he fit that, so that's what he was, okay, so they can hold him up. Interestingly enough, Judaism, which was before Christ, claims him to be the Messiah, but that's where it stops. Because they cannot acknowledge... To acknowledge that Jesus died and then that he rose again. Now that's... What are they going to do with that? Yes, he was the Messiah, but that's about where it stops. But we this morning, as Christians, have something none of those have. You know, all of those religions, well, maybe it was... I don't have it with me, but either Hinduism or, or Buddhists, one of those, they're not exactly sure where that originated from. But the Muslims, they have Muhammad. Where is Muhammad this morning? He's in some grave. Okay, and one of the articles I was reading had a picture there, or a like a picture in the article with the different tombs of different people, different leaders. They had a picture there of a tomb. I don't know—is it the tomb of Christ or not? Doesn't really make a difference. But that one is empty this morning. And that's what I would like to just um, proclaim to you this morning. This morning's message, and then next Sunday's message, Lord willing, is going to kind of be a follow-up from this one. Next Sunday's, I believe, is going—the one next Sunday is going to have something to do with having the new are you living in the new life or do you have new life next Sunday we would like to look at that so Christianity is exclusive in that it has its leader is the only one who died and rose again but it's not just exclusive it is also Inclusive in that whosoever will may come. Okay? It's exclusive, but not to the point that it is only for certain ones. Not to the point that there is this thing of just certain elect ones who can (laughs) be saved. And you and I are trying to wait and trying to wait through life. And we're trying to figure out, well, am I one of those elect? As some of the teaching is out there, that is not what Christianity is. It is exclusive in in what I already said, but it is all-inclusive in that whosoever will may come. So this thing of Jesus dying and rising was a commandment he had from his Father in John 10, verse 17 and 18. It says this, Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down on myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. That was a commandment that Jesus received from his Father. He could lay his life down and die. And he could also bring it back up again. We someday, and this message this morning is the importance of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, not the resurrection that we, if we die in this life, there is coming a day where we are going to be resurrected again. That's not where we're going this morning. I want to bring out the importance of Christ. Resurrection and how important that is for us as Christians. Turn to First Corinthians chapter 15 for a text this morning. <clears throat> I'm going to read the first 22 verses of First Corinthians chapter 15, and I realize that first we could read the whole chapter here, but we are looking at the importance of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, not so much. The resurrection of us as saints this morning. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. After that he was seen of James, then of all the apostles. And last of all, he was seen of me also, as of one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles, that am not meet to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with, it, with me. Therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preach, and so ye believed. Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, If so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, ye are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. We'll cease reading there. In verse 1 here, he brings out this, I declare unto you the gospel which I preach unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand. And Paul is saying, I have preached the gospel to you. And if we go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, he says this, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. And also in Romans one sixteen, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. There we have this idea of the gospel. Now this morning, when we preach the gospel, you know it's not enough just to preach that Jesus died on the cross and then that was it. <coughs> as we're going to see later, the importance is, is that we also bring out that Jesus rose again. And as we was already mentioned, and as we had in our Sunday school lesson, Where is he this morning? Sitting at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for me. I shared this with someone recently. He's making intercession for you and me. He's sitting there, and he sees you and he sees me. And perhaps we're struggling with something in life. And we come and God is saying, Who is this? And Jesus is saying, God, Father, don't you know? I have him written on my hand. Here he is. That's what our Jesus is doing this morning. It's precious. But he wouldn't be doing that if he wouldn't have rose again. And me preaching this morning would be nothing. I'm getting ahead of myself. You know, if Christ did not rise from the dead, then we would be in doubt whether He would be any different from any other person. Listen, this morning, this is, this is simple. You all know it. I think, I'm, I'm hoping I'm preaching. And I believe I am to those who believe in the resurrection. I don't think I'm preaching to, may I say, to Corinthians this morning, as we're going to look at here later. I'm preaching to those who believe in the resurrection Christ had to rise in order for us to realize that he is all-powerful and we realize that as we look at the Gospel and we read through the Gospels and we see what he did the miracles he did this morning I was reading just the life of Elisha and Elisha did one miracle after the next so in other words we could if you really want to get technical here or whatever you could say well Elisha did all kinds of miracles Jesus did too Elisha didn't rise from the dead Jesus rose from the dead and by that we can see that he is all-powerful we must believe in the bodily resurrection if we don't then we pro- then what we proclaim is not effective it is not the gospel without the resurrection that is part of the gospel this morning, brethren and sisters. It is... That's, that's just an it's amazing thing. As we see in verse 3, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and then verse 4, and that he was buried, and what? And that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. He rose again. That all needs to be part of the gospel. If Christ would not have risen, then we would have no hope this morning and no power. We would be no different than any of these other religions. We would just be like the Muslims. We would just be like the Buddhists or the Hindus or the whoever. Even, even this morning I was reading of an atheist who actually um, acknowledged something about Jesus. But we would be no different than them. We would be without hope in this life if Christ would not have risen. Now, let's jump down. We have these verses here, verses 5, 6, and 7, and also 8, where Paul is saying that he was seen of Cephas, then he was seen of the 12, and then he was seen of 500 brethren. And Paul says, the greater part, this is being written to the Corinthians, so that that time, the greater part of those 500 were still alive. And then he says, and then he was seen of me also as one born out of due time. You know, Paul would have been alive when Jesus rose from the dead. So there is a possibility that Paul actually saw Christ after he was resurrected. But all of that is, is, Paul is just saying, he's trying to build on this case that Jesus Christ rose. Because as he comes down through here, he says in verse 12, He's going to come and he's going to try to bring out to these Corinthians. And I would like to say this to all of us. It is very important. Christ rose again. Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead. This is what we're preaching Paul is saying. But he's kind of saying it in a question form. Now if we're actually saying that Christ rose from the dead. How is it that some... Among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead. So in other words, he's saying, Corinthians, what are you doing here? We're preaching that Christ rose from the dead. Okay? That there is a resurrection. But some among you are saying there's no resurrection of the dead. He's saying, wait a minute. Something isn't lining up here, Corinthians. He rose from the dead is what he is. He's trying to put that question in their minds and get them to think. Why do you say this? So there was some in Corinth that didn't believe in a resurrection. And may I say this morning that if you this morning don't believe in the resurrection, you are in a grave situation. Very grave. Very grave. If you don't believe in the resurrection this morning. So, if we continue on this theme of no resurrection, then is Christ not even risen from the dead? In verse 13. But if there be no resurrection of the dead, and I believe what he's saying here, if I can just say this, I believe he's saying if there's no resurrection of the dead, maybe the teaching already was out there that there is going to be resurrection at the latter day when the saints will come up out of the graves. If that's not even going to happen, then is Christ not risen. So if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ isn't even risen. Is what he's saying here. In verse 14. If Christ isn't risen, then you know what? I may as well go home right now. That's basically what he's saying in verse 14. If Christ is not risen... Then is our preaching vain and your faith is also vain. It's of none effect. This whole gospel, the faith that we put into Jesus Christ and into the gospel, into that message that was delivered to us, we can't, that faith is useless if Christ is not risen. You don't have anything to live for. And we could go on. He goes on and he says, we're going to be found false witnesses of God because we've testified. So this morning, if Christ didn't rise and I'm here preaching that He did rise and you say, no, He didn't, then I am being a false witness. That's what Paul is saying in verse 15. And if Christ be not raised, then is your faith vain, and what? You are yet in your sins. This morning, if Christ didn't rise, then our faith is vain, and we're still living in sin. And then verse 19, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are what? Of all men, most miserable. If only Christ died, and that's where it stopped, and that's all we know, and we just think of him as some great prophet, or some man that is a kind, compassionate man... So we lift him up fairly high in our religion. Then we're of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead. And he's become the first fruits of them that slept. He is risen. Now I would just like to go back and look at the resurrection of Christ. And the significance of it. And how that is what started this new kingdom first let's look at a prophecy of his resurrection in Psalm 16 you don't have to turn there verses 8 to 11 it says this I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand I shall not be moved therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoiceth. my flesh also shall rest in hope for thou wilt not leave my soul in hell neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption thou wilt show me the path of life in thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. And if you turn to Acts chapter 2, this was actually, ref. that's where this psalm was referenced in Acts chapter 2, when Peter was preaching his message. We're going to read 24 through 32 of Acts chapter 2. Whom God hath hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. For David speaketh concerning him: I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand, that I should not be moved. Therefore did my tongue rejoice, and my, therefore did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad. Moreover, also my flesh shall rest in hope, because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life, thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him, that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne, He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we all are witnesses. Notice in verse 24 it says that Jesus could not be held by death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. Interesting. Interesting. Jesus could not even be held by death. He was fully man and he was fully God. Therefore, because he was fully God, he could not death could not hold him. You know, it's interesting that it held him for 3 days. You'd wonder what all, you know, it, it I just get the idea that as he's in the grave there, it's just starting to, this thing is just about ready to burst. And it does on that morning. And then Peter also says that we are all witnesses of this event. Now, what I would like to look at for just the rest here is to look at the different instances where the disciples didn't believe that Jesus was risen from the dead. After he had rose. Okay, the disciples had walked with him for those three and a half years. And then he died. And then what? Here we see that they believed in the resurrection. But it took them a little bit to come to that. Let's just look at some of those. First of all, I would like to, and this is not one of the disciples, but this is one of these people that was, I believe, Perhaps was in the upper room with the disciples, so she would have come out of that upper room perhaps. And this is Mary Magdalene. In John chapter 20, verses 13 to 18, And they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? This is the angel saying this to her. She saith unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had said thus, she turned herself back, and saw Jesus standing, and knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou hast borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus saith unto her, Mary. She turned herself, and saith unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. Jesus saith unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my Father. But go to my brethren, and say unto them, I ascend unto my Father and your Father, and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that, she had, and that he had spoken these things unto her. Mary here, it seems like, didn't believe. Obviously, the tomb was empty, but she says to Jesus, thinking he's the gardener, where did you lay him? Just show me where you laid him so that I can take him away. Mary didn't believe. Do you know when Mary believed? I believe Mary believed the instant that Jesus looked at her and He said Mary. Mary believed that instance that this was Jesus and that He rose again. So that's the first instance, of, or that is one of those yes it is the first instance, the first person I believe that Jesus saw after He rose from the dead was Mary. I may be wrong, I didn't um, do all the correlation there with where it all comes into play, but he tells her to go and tell his disciples. Now, let's go to Luke. And you don't have to turn to all of these. I have these here in my notes. Luke chapter 24, verses 10 to 11. It was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and other women that were with them, which told these things unto the apostles. So these women come back after they were told to go back and tell the tell the disciples they go back and what do they what does verse 11 say here and their words seemed to them as idle tales and they believed them not This was Peter who preached in Acts chapter 2 believed them not John James Thaddeus, Matthew, <coughs> they looked at these women and thought, "What are you? these are just idle tales. It's nothing. I don't believe it. Going on in Luke chapter 24, in verses 34 to 41, saying, The Lord is risen indeed, and hath appeared to Simon. And they told what things were done in the way, and how he was shown to them in breaking of bread. This is... The two men on the road to Emmaus coming back to the other disciples. And this is what they're saying. And as they spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. While they're speaking, Jesus comes into the midst. It seems like these two men believed now that Jesus had rose. And now here he comes into the midst of them. But they were terrified and affrighted. And suppose that they had seen a spirit. And he said unto them, Why are ye troubled? And why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me, and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as ye see me have. And when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they yet believed not for joy and wondered, he said unto them, Have ye here any meat? Verse 41 says, and while they yet believed not for joy. Not exactly sure what that all means, but it's an interesting phrase. They still didn't believe, but they had joy. So I'm not sure where (laughs) these disciples were going here, but they didn't believe. They wondered. They were afraid, number one, because Jesus, it would seem like Jesus just came right into the midst of them. They thought it was a spirit. And he says, handle me. Touch me. I'm no spirit. I have flesh. A spirit doesn't have flesh and bones. And then after this, he asks them this question, have you here any meat? They get meat. And he eats that. And, you know, ghosts can't eat. Spirits can't eat. But Jesus ate. Now, Mark 16, verses 9 to 14. Now, when Jesus was risen early the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils. And she went and told them that had been with him as they mourned and wept. And they, when they had heard that he was alive and had been seen of her, what? Believed not. And after that, he appeared in another form unto two of them as they walked and went into the country. And they went and told it unto the residue, neither believed they them. Afterward, he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat, and what did he do to them? He upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. This brings out this idea. First of all, it says that he appeared unto Mary Magdalene first, and then it, they went and told them, and they didn't believe. And then it says this, where he appeared in in another form unto two of them as they walked, which I would say that is those that were going to Emmaus. And they came back. We already read that out of Luke. Neither believed they them. Then Jesus comes to the eleven. And Jesus has some hard words for them. He upbraided them. That word abrade is to charge with something wrong or disgraceful. This is harshness. To reproach. To cast in the teeth. To chide. To reprove with severity. That is what Jesus did to the eleven disciples. These were men who walked with him for three and a half years. He had talked with them. He had told them this is going to happen. And they didn't believe One more in John chapter 20, and we're all familiar with this one, 24 to 29. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord, but he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days again his disciples were within, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst, and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have have not seen, and yet have believed." here we have Thomas we call him doubting Thomas but I would like to say that all the 11 disciples were just like Thomas okay Jesus comes he knows what Thomas said when Jesus wasn't with him what Thomas said to the other disciples I'm not going to believe unless I put my <coughs> finger in his in the in the prince in his hands and unless I put my hand in his side I will not believe Jesus comes and he says, Thomas? It seems like he comes right into the midst of them. And he comes right to Thomas and he says, Thomas? First of all he says, peace be unto you. Then he says, Thomas, reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands. Reach hither thy hand, and behold my side. Thrust it into my side, and don't be faithless. And Thomas didn't even do that, it's what I would read. He says, my Lord and my God, he believed. Then Jesus says. Thomas you believe because you saw me this morning friends you believe you are blessed this morning because you never saw but you believed this morning you have believed in the resurrection I hope you have or do we believe after reading all of these scriptures of these of the disciples and a Mary Magdalene and, and the people after that Jesus came to after he rose and they didn't believe. Do you believe? Or does Jesus have to come to us and rebuke us because we don't believe in the resurrection? Maybe we believe in the resurrection, but we don't believe that it is as powerful as it is. Could that be the case? There's one thing that I just kind of glossed over because it's a message for another time. But he upbraided them with their what? Unbelief. It's serious if we don't believe. What we believe of the resurrection will have an impact on the way we live our lives. Are we excited about the resurrection this morning? You know, I read a story of a pastor who got on an airplane, sat down, and there was a construction worker, and this is just my own words, that came and sat next to him, and they got to talking, and in the course of the conversation, this construction worker, he related his conversion story. He said he went to church because life was not going well for him. It wasn't going good for him, so he decided to go to church. And he walks into church, and he's sitting in church. I'm not sure where he was sitting, obviously, maybe towards the back. And he listened to the story of the resurrection. He became convicted. The altar call was given. He gets up, and he starts coming down to the front. And as he comes down to the front... He starts looking around at all these people who have been going to church, maybe for a long time already, and he looked at their faces, and their faces just seemed stoic and long. And he couldn't figure out why not everyone was coming to the altar. He said, what his point was, is that the resurrection was the greatest event. This thing of Jesus dying the whole salvation story, the gospel story of Jesus dying and then that He rose again and He's sitting at the right hand of the Father was so exciting he, so exciting that He couldn't comprehend why everybody was sitting there with long faces, just stoic faces and weren't excited about anything. Do we act like it's just the saddest thing, this Christian life? It's just a drudgery to live the Christian life. What did it do to the disciples? Once they got a hold of this thing and once they believed in the resurrection, they didn't stop. They come out of that upper room filled with the Spirit and there was no stopping these men because they believed it. Let us believe it this morning. (coughs) Shall we bow our heads for a word of prayer? Lord, this morning, we thank you for this resurrection. That you rose again. That you died and then you rose again. This whole gospel story, Lord, it is so amazing. And yet, Lord, I know that in my own life, I'm not excited about it enough. And I walk around sometimes feeling sorry for myself. Father, forgive me. And help us, Lord. Help each one in this congregation that we would all get excited about what you have done. And we would go tell the good news as the disciples disciples did. And as we look at other people down through history, they couldn't contain themselves. And we would get excited about it. So that you would not have to come and upbraid us and rebuke us because of our unbelief. Help us, Lord Jesus, to be excited about what you have done. As we think of you sitting there interceding for us, we are so thankful for what you have done. Bless us as we go through life. That you would give us an excitement and fill us with joy as we believe these great things. In Jesus' name, amen. Shall we have a song?